in Chicago, two comedian skeptics named Andy and Art were mysteriously abducted by the illusionary mastermind and conspiracy theorist known only as Mr. Mr. Bunker. Bunker. The following serves as a record of Bunker's attempt to convince non-believers of the truth about conspiracies and paranormal activity. Andy and Art give an uninterrupted presentation and verdict on the plausibility of these offbeat topics, delivering what they call the, the whole enchilada. Will Mr. Bunker convince these two skeptics any of this is real? Will it convince you? everybody welcome to mr bunker's conspiracy time podcast as always i'm your co-host art stone and with me as always is your co-host andy hart hey listeners <laughs> hey. Beep, beep, beep. uh hey andy looking good wow thank you good to see you i recently gained some weight i'm glowing it's because there's capillaries bursting all throughout my body <laughs> This is the pressure from inside. Yeah, uh, you're like a uh, you're a balloon ready to burst. Oh baby, my blood vessels are so taut. Well, and there's coursing with blood. One thing I know about you, my Andy's. heart's expanding at a dangerous rate. <laughs> you're full of hot gas. <laughs> <laughs> so, it hurts. Speaking of hot gas, yeah. Andy, today's topic. <laughs> oh boy, listeners, buckle up for this segue. It's a hot one. <laughs> Ooh, wow, Andy! Today we're talking coming, about the disappearance of Jimmy Hoffa. Hoffa, Jimmy Hoffa, 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 and this Hoffa. comes to us from a Hoffa. listener. <laughs> yeah, this does come to us from a listener. That's right, from Stefan from Providence, friend of the show, friend of ours. That's personally. right, uh, old friend of ours uh, from our uh, sketch days. Was yeah. in many a sketch show with you and I. Yeah, yeah, and uh, great guy. Yeah, great guy. We know him. We love him. Uh, Stefan from Providence. He uh, he sent in a little email to MrBunkerPod at gmail.com, which you can do as well. Laced with profanities. <laughs> Laced with profanities. <laughs> and, and attached was a picture of his butt. Yeah, that was a little odd, but you know. Mm, uh, knowing Stefan, it was not. <laughs> uh, there was a recording of his fart uh, yeah. also attached. Yeah. Uh, and instructions of when to play the fart noise in the email <laughs> to enhance the reading experience. That's right. He recently saw the movie The Irishman, and uh, I'm sure a lot of listeners did too. Yeah. If, if you can spare the three and a half hour runtime, <laughs> it's on Netflix and it's been nominated for multiple awards at the Oscars. Yeah. So uh, he, uh, he a real star-studded cast oh, yeah. and production crew. You've got uh, Robert De Niro. You got Joe Pesci, yeah, Al, Pacino, Al Pacino, directed by Martin Scorsese. Scorsese. I mean, for the first time ever, all these amazing actors in one giant blockbuster movie. I think so, right? Yeah, I believe it's yeah. it's the first time they've all been on screen together. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it's mob heaven. So uh, anyway. Listeners, we've got the whole enchilada on the disappearance of Jimmy Hoffa. And if you want to skip right ahead to that content. You can't wait to dig in. You can't wait to dig in because for like around 20 minutes, Andy and I are going to do some fun comedy stuff. (laughs) (laughs) 
So, you know, if you want to skip right ahead to the disappearance, to the research, you can look in the timestamp in the show notes. There's a timestamp. It'll tell you right exactly where you need to scrub ahead to and find out all that great info. But first, drag your slider, start eating enchilada. <laughs> but if you need a little appetizer like I do, that's right. Stick with us right here. Because uh, we're going to tell you how we got to the bunker today. That's right. Uh, each week, the uh, titular Mr. Bunker, he mm-hmm. abducts us in some mm-hmm. new and peculiar way. Yeah. This week is no different. Yeah. He keeps it fresh. He keeps it fresh. He's like the subway of abductions. He's people. a subway of abductions. He's got a $5 foot long, and he's always eating fresh. And some say warm cookie. Yeah. <laughs> and Andy... <laughs> You've got a uh, you've you've got a tall tale. <laughs> Speaking of hot gas, yeah, uh, this is a lot like a story from folklore. Oh yeah, uh, it starts pretty mundane though. Um, Art, I got rats. I got rats. Who's ratting? I got rats. Huh? What wise guy is ratting? Nah, nah. My apartment. Oh, I got a basement storage closet. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. I yeah. keep some stuff in there. I go down there. Some bodies. I go down there, and I'm looking for, you know, uh, speaking of uh, speaking of uh, things we've done together outside of this podcast, uh-huh. I go down to my storage closet looking for my Guy Fieri costume. That's and right. Wig, which uh, listener Stefan was in our show about Guy Fieri. Yes, he was. Uh, the show uh, I acquired this uh, Guy Fieri costume and wig uh, specifically for a production. That the Fun Fun Boys wrote and put on, uh, which was called Real Deal Money, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Start Loving Guy Fieri. That's That was the whole title. That was the full title. We had a pension for for making the most longest, hardest to market titles ever. Right. Usually there was a succinct title and then an or, followed by a really long title. Uh, you know, it's just our trademark. That's our trademark. Um, so... I go down there looking for my Guy Fieri costume and my wig. Right, right, right. And what do I find when I get down there? Outside the door, there's rat droppings. I'm like, oh, boy, this is not going to be good. I open up the storage closet, take the lock off, open the door. Unless you're a cat. And I see, I see exactly what happened. There was an open bag of Charms Blow Pops. At some point in the show, there was candy. Mm-hmm. I don't remember when. Yeah, there was we had the show it. was like a prop. Yes, I think that uh, that your character gave them out as a prize to somebody. I don't know, Bobby Tabasco, maybe. No, uh, maybe it was Bobby Tabasco. I don't know. Anyway, either way, anyway, uh, Skip Skip had them for some reason. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, the the blow pops uh, you were left over prop from Real Deal Money, and the rats got in there and just. Gobbled them up. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they did all this. They did all this in the plastic witch's cauldron right. that we had for our Louisiana theme show. That's right. Uh, the the disappeared. disappeared. Uh, so these rats, they made it. They turned the dang cauldron into a nest. Oh, God dang it. So I'm thinking <laughs> we'll see about that. And I call up an exterminator to to get rid of them. Oh, yeah. So I'm checking some reviews online, and I find a really highly rated exterminator oh. in my aerator. Uh, in, my, in my area. Yeah, uh, your areola. In my areola, yeah. I squeezed my milk on them, and it got rid of them. No, in my area, I find this really highly rated exterminator, Brood of Pests. 
their uh, their slogan is great. It says, "We're hungry for pest control solutions." Okay. <laughs> um, great ratings. So I call them up and the ex- uh, uh, Bureau of Business for an A plus. Yeah, A plus, triple B. Yeah. Uh, Better Business Bureau. Better Business Bureau. <laughs> what did I say? I don't know. Better Bureau Business Board, <laughs> which just is nonsense. <laughs> well, so is the triple B rating. So. <laughs> That's right. I fucking said Whoa, it. Whoa, holy shit. You can pay for that shit. Hey, if you're from the Better Business Bureau, get at us. <laughs> Tell Art why he's wrong. <laughs> uh, so I call, list. So I call up Brutapests <laughs> and I get hooked up. Uh, with the exterminator, Laszlo Panaflex, and he uh, agrees he'll come over and get rid of the rats. What nationality is that name? Oh, he's Hungarian. Oh, okay. Uh, so uh, Laszlo comes over, and I show him to the closet. Like The closet's in a hallway, so I can't go in with him. Yeah. So he goes in first because it's a narrow like hallway, so we can't go in like side by side. Oh, yeah, it would be and it's, and comically it's just, stuck in the doorway. Together. Right, and it's just a closet. So he goes in there to take a peek. Plus, I got stuff in there, so it's like not totally empty. Sure. Um, so he goes in there, and I'm staying a little way behind. And all of a sudden, like I, like he walks in, and then it's just like for there's a beat, and then he just like screams. And I'm a little bit confused by this because it's like, oh, I thought this guy was a professional, but yeah, he's, I also thought he wasn't a big fucking weenie. Right. Right. But he's scared <laughs> of rats. Like, come on, give me a break. I, I, I'm not scared of rats. <laughs> I'm not even scared of the band rat. <laughs> We'll go round and round on this. You should be. Um, You've got that uh, crotch piece that uh, lights on fire. Crotch, yeah. I think that was rat. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Could have been quite right. Yeah, I don't know, but I have a flaming cod piece. <laughs> uh, everybody, check it out on my YouTube channel. Uh, anyway, um, so... And he's cock creation. Laszlo, he just comes running out of the room. Like, he blows by me, like, shoves me out of the way. And he's like, you're on your own! Wow. As he's running out of here. So I'm kind of like peeved at this, right? I'm PO'd. I mean, that's a little bit of bullshit. It's like I brought this guy out here. This kind of unprofessional. Great reviews. And yet now he's just bolting because there's rats. Yeah. But uh, so I so I go over to the closet. I'm like, what could have happened that he's like freaking out? Uh, and I see what the problem was. Oh, no. The king rat. <gasps> the rat king. He's He's in there six feet tall, buff. Burly, a crown on his head, cocked to the side. Oh, my God. A dirty, tattered T-shirt on his chest. Oh, wow. Completely and obviously pantsless. (laughs) Disney style. And he goes, you got a freaking problem, Pally? Get him, boys. And a whole swarm of rats, like, come out of the cauldron. Oh, my God. And they're rushing toward me. And they overwhelm me, biting me all over. Even the penis. (laughs) They bit me on the penis. First time in a long time. That's, yeah. (laughs) Normally you have to put peanut butter down there or something. But these were attack rats. They bit me all over, even the penis. Wow. So I'm getting woozy from the pain of these (laughs) penis bites and the blood loss from my penis. It's a good thing you're circumcised. So I stumble over and and I fall on a pack of rats. A rat pack even. And... I end up basically crowd surfing these rats all the way to the bunker. <laughs> they take me to the bunker. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking, okay, the rat king, the rat king was bunker, but it turns out he wasn't. What? Bunker was here the whole time. What? The rat king was a plant. Oh my bunker God. took a regular rat 
and mutated it to be huge and of noble rat birth <laughs> and put it in my storage closet. Of noble rat birth. So that's how I got here today. Wow. That means Bunker must have chartered an entire lineage of rat heirs into the rat, you know, the rat throne. And wow. Yeah. Controlled your territory. Yeah. And he mutated just a regular rat to get this noble birth. So he must have spliced in noble rat DNA. Jeez. That's crazy, Andy. Yeah. He went toe to toe with the rat king. And I lost big time. You lost. And he's still living. He's he, my stuff. Is, we're never getting those props back. Oh, no. What are we going to do? I don't know. We're going to need those cheap dollar store costume skeleton masks. Or we're we're going to need all those jackets and shirts that are stained permanently with fake blood. <laughs> what are we going to do? You know what? At the end of the day, I'm just glad Laszlo Panaflex wasn't hurt. Yeah. Yeah, he... Because uh, I was PO'd at first, but then I understood why he ran, and I don't grudge him anything. Hey, it looks like the Rat King panaflexed on him, huh? Yeah, he panaflexed on both of us. Yeah. Laszlo was smart. He got out of there. Yeah. But I'm too dumb. He ain't fucking with no Rat King. Mm-mm, he knew what was up. I bet you that he probably put it uh, in his uh, in his new, like, on his, on his page on Andy's list. We don't fuck with Rat Kings. Yeah, I mean, probably the hardest part about being an exterminator is dealing with... Um, the loss Pests. of innocence? <laughs> I don't know if that's the hardest part. <laughs> okay. That's probably the biggest barrier the to ennui? entry. The biggest barrier to entry. Ennui, yes, probably difficult. But I think the hardest one is dealing with human intervention when people have mutated animals to be <laughs> uh, humongous and anthropomorphic and sentient. Yeah. yeah, you're right. You're right. That definitely takes the cake. Yeah. You don't go to exterminator school. It'll teach you that in exterminator school. Yeah. I mean, that's a surprise. Like, like if somebody, you know, taught a possum how to fire a shotgun, like. Then we'd all be fucked. Yeah. Can you imagine? Possums with shotguns? Like they can strangle you with their tail and then blast you in the guts. And then you think you kill them. They're just playing dead. Yeah. Pop right up, blast you in the kneecaps. Yeah. Say goodbye to your knees. The easiest way to kill a human. Yeah. Start with the knees. And they know. And everything else literally falls into place. If rats could actually become humanoid, I think they would, uh, they might take over. Think about how fast they breathe. Their gestation is so much faster. Mm-hmm. Rats are incredibly intelligent as is. Mm-hmm. Um, spread disease. Yeah. That's how they kill us. Yeah. They would just, they would, uh, like, and then if they also had guns and shit. <laughs> Like yeah. add add their diseases and then multiply it by guns and you've got a bad bad case. I mean, I think that they would be bad enough if they just figured out how to start fires. <laughs> like, forget the guns. If they could just start fires, yeah, like that would be bad. Yeah. So evil evil mad scientists out there, if you're looking to take over the world in some comical plot, train some rats. Flame rats. Flame rats. Skaven. Uh. Uh. Look for flame rats coming to Saturday morning cartoon block. <laughs> Near you from Art and Andy. And new from uh, Nabisco, Flame and Hot Flame Rats. Flame Rats. <laughs> the new fl- Frito-Lay Flame Rats. From the makers of Takis <laughs> comes Flame Rats. It'll stain your kid's fingers. Taste the flavor. <laughs> Permanently. Um, Andy, speaking of stains and eating snacks that you shouldn't be eating. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, Let's see where this goes. I had to go to the dentist this week. Oh. And. Right. You know, it's just something you got to do. Yeah. Genetics, Andy. You can't run away from them. No. I've got genetically bad teeth. Mm -hmm. Genetically deep grooves that need to be sealed. Yeah. And I'm not talking kiss from a rose style. Right. I'm talking some kind of dentist made epoxy. That is safe for putting in human mouths. Okay. Okay. I've got deep grooves in my in my in my teeths, and it causes rot. It causes bacteria to sit in there and fester on the surface or at the gum line. Uh, no, at, on the surface, like in the enamel, and then it almost gets into the actual uh, nerve, whatever's under the enamel. So, what do you got to have a mouthful of crowns? No, they don't do crown. It's it's an epoxy. They seal it up. Okay. They dig it out, they rot it out, and then they seal it back up. Okay. So, uh, you know, I had to go out. I had to go there, and, and I went to my dentist, which I'm not going to name, because I don't want you all to get as good of dental care as I do. Oh, me stingy, only. yeah. Me only. Me this only your, me undies. This was your dentist's big chance. That's right. <laughs> no free. Hey, no fucking free pubs. No free pubs for my dentist. You got to work for that shit. Okay? Look, uh, Arts Dentist, if you're listening, <laughs> we'll plug your dental practice on this show if you'll plug our show How about and this? your dental practice. You plug our fucking wallets, we'll plug your show. How about that? Yeah, we're selling out. <laughs> Andy and I are selling out, we to, don't the, care. to Big Dentist. Big Dental. Big Teeth. <laughs> so I go into Dr. my teeth. <laughs> the Muppet. <laughs> the Muppet. Uh, I go in there, and my normal dentist isn't there that day, and I think, okay, well, you know what? It's the holidays. Maybe they're on vacation. Yeah. So I get this new dentist who is covered, like, head to toe in fucking, like, surgical scrub gear. I'm like, you know how dentists have those crazy, like, night vision style magnifying goggles? He's got, like, a uh, a head, a surgical headband, bandana type thing. He's got a, a surgical mask covering the mouth. Covered in scrubs, gloves. I mean, some dentists are really more into it than others. I think they are. I you think know, it's like a cosplay thing for dentists. Some of the dentists always have the cap on. Yeah. And, and like my dentist wears scrubs, like the shirt and pants, and then a, a coat. Yeah. No, not even a coat, just the scrubs, the shirt and pants. And that's it. But then there's another dentist in the office, and he's always got the hat on and oh, the yeah. face mask and oh, stuff. Yeah. Like he takes it. To a level. Well, you'd rather see him dressed up like that than in Tommy Bahama, right? I don't know. I guess it depends on your preference. <laughs> your dentist shows up in sandals and a sick Tommy Bahama t-shirt with a parrot on it. You know. Dipl displaying a, a parrot, hanging out, drinking some rum. I think it makes you feel good to know that your dentist is relaxed yeah. and is taking it easy. True, true. Regardless, my dentist was covered head to toe and... Mm -hmm. Without even any kind of great bedside manner, just starts getting in there and digging away at the enamel. Ooh. Now, Andy, you can oh, dig yeah. away at the enamel of a tooth and not feel anything. This is a horny dentist. <laughs> this dentist is horny yeah, for dental rot. Right. <laughs> I mean, digging away at one of my tooths, and you can dig away at enamel and not feel anything. It's crazy. You don't think so, but you can. So they don't have to numb. They don't have to numb They didn't have to at first, you. but then they started digging away at the enamel. They saw the rot was going almost down to the nerve. Oh. They got to put me under. Yeah. Oh, all the way? No, no, no. Just a local? Oh, no, no. So he gets out this comically large syringe. Right, right, yeah. Jams it right in. 
Not even any like uh, beginning numbness stuff. It's quite a pinch when they put that needle oh, in your yeah. gum. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's a pinch, all right. I don't mind shots normally, but the the gum shot. Yeah, it was a pinch in my mouth, and then also he was pinching my nips, and I thought oh. this is weird. Yeah, that's a weird time to get a gum <laughs> shot. Yeah. So anyway, it numbs me up. My whole, almost my whole friggin' face is numb. Yeah, right. My tongue is hung out of my mouth. Yeah. My eyes are going all over the place like chameleons. Sure. You know, I can't feel anything. Like like normal. So Except now physically there, instead of emotionally. There, digging in there, digging out. Yes. I can't feel anything. Uh, my heart is dead. And he dug out he dug out all the rot. Whoa. There you go. And I was I was cleared he then he put the epoxy and I was cleared to go. And I said, Well, that's geez, this was quite an ordeal, but got the job done. Mm-hmm. And as I'm going to leave, you know, I get my bill. Make my follow-up appointment or whatever six months from now. Six months follow-up? Yeah. Not bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's Must pretty, have been in good shape. Yeah, pretty, I take pretty good care of my teeth. And as I'm leaving, I notice the plaque. On your teeth? No, the plaque on the... Uh, <laughs> no, this dentist did a good good job. I notice the plaque outside of the dentist's office. Oh, like an award. <laughs> no, like the plaque that tells you what room it is and like the name of the office. So it's like a sign outside the office. Yes, a sign. It's also called a plaque. Okay. It was plaque-like. Okay. I can see where you got confused. Yeah. I think we're both in the wrong. Were you... Like, a lot of... Plaque could go a lot of ways in this scenario. I, especially when talking about dentists. Right. I see the confusion. Yeah. Okay. It fell. <laughs> fell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. said bunk tech dentistry. You've been going to a bunk tech dentist? I went to a bunk tech dentist on accident, Andy. You went to the wrong dentist? No, I went, I, it was it was my dentist's office where it used to be, where it always was. But it was bunk tech. Oh. And I'm so. looking at the bill, and there's a bunch of weird shit on the bill. I mean, there's like, you know, oral exam, but then it also says driving exam. Hmm. Tooth rod extraction. Okay. Cream soda enema. I mean, there's so much weird stuff on this bill. Did you get an enema? I apparently got a cream soda enema. <laughs> Did they numb your butthole too? I, I guess I was pretty fucking numb. I guess I wouldn't have known. <laughs> Why it had to be cream soda? I don't know. Probably for the effervescence <laughs> and the creamy tastiness. <laughs> so frothy. Yeah. If anything, you want a frothy soda enema. Love a cream soda. And then finally, the last one I see, Bunk Tech Nano Injection. Oh, like Bunk Tech Nano Injection, Andy. So that gum shot, that gum injected shot. Bunk Tech Nanos, bunk Tech Nanos into nano. your body. All of a sudden, I lose complete control over all of my synapses. I am not in control of my body any longer, Andy. I'm slapping myself in the face. Punching myself in the dick. Oh. And I can't control myself. I walk myself to the bunker. Wow. Later, in the open face toilet. You shit out a bunch of robots? Shit out all the nanobots. Well, that's good. They're all gone. And four liters of cream soda. Four four liters? Four party-sized Fun sleepover liter sized. We're ordering pizza sized liters of cream soda. Wait, 
I think it might have been IBC. I'm not sure. Could have been A and W. I did taste it. I had to check. Wait. <laughs> Four liters. How can they charge you with an enema if they just leave it inside you? <laughs> it's supposed to flush it out. That's bunk tech. That's bunk tech. I don't think that counts. As bunk an tech enema. works really well in some ways and is fucked up in other ways. I, I'm not sure that counts as an enema. I would fight that bill. Is that what you're going to fight with the billing department? <laughs> yeah. I think they, they left Not it the in. fact that they did an enema, but the fact that it doesn't count as one? They're supposed to flush it. It's supposed to pass through. I didn't ask for this enema, but God damn it, I'm going to get it even if I don't want it. You should go back and get a real enema. A real cream soda enema. I never had an enema, never will. I can't say never. No, you had an enema. Kinda. You got cream soda in the butt. I flushed it out myself. Yeah. Flushed it down the toilet. So anyway, there's a bunch of cream soda in the fridge if you want some cream soda. Yeah, I might have a glass later. <laughs> I like cream soda. Yeah, it's still it's still fresh. Rather have root beer though. Really? To be honest, yeah. Yeah, yeah I like root beer. Yeah. Depends on the brand. You want Burks. Burks has bite. I like Burks. Burks root beer. But IBC and A and W, oh my god. A and W out of a frosty mug? Mm-hmm. Come on, dude. A&W out of a frosty mug from a classic A&W fast food stand, Andy? Come on. <laughs> you know, some people in the world think that root beer is gross, like intolerably disgusting. Sarsaparilla is pretty controversial. It, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> in what way? And so that some people find it disgusting. Is that like uh, cilantro? Where uh, some people are just born with like, it doesn't taste good? Yeah, some people think cilantro tastes soapy. Yeah, it just naturally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think. I don't way. know if sarsaparilla is that way. Just it's it's a controversial food in the sarsaparilla world. Sarsaparilla is a uh, a uh, naturally growing like tea, or it's a uh, it's like a bark. Yeah, right? and uh, nat- or a root or something. Yeah, it's a root or something. And Native Americans used to brew it into a uh, spicy tea. Yeah, and um, there, there some people think that sarsaparilla. The uh, the extract that comes off of sarsaparilla when you boil it uh, is toxic, but the levels of sarsaparilla that you need in order for it to be toxic are like caffeine, where it's like astronomically high. Like if you took chemically uh, compounded caffeine pills, you know, way too much, you you could die. But like the caffeine you get from a cup of coffee is not going to kill you. <laughs> Unless you have dangerously high blood pressure like me. <laughs> Yikes. Speaking of dangerously <laughs> high blood pressure, <laughs> some of the characters in today's episode, today's research, Andy, uh, they probably weren't in the best of health. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Um, we're going to be talking all about Jimmy Huffa. What? I don't know. You make it <laughs> you make it seem like that's going to be some kind of focus is the health of the characters we're going to talk about we'll talk about it but sheeran loved to drink people yeah. said he was a drunk yeah. he was a lush yeah much like my co-host i don't think that that you're a lush i don't think that people in the mafia have uh, a reputation as being like health nuts <laughs> i don't think that's they really should. 70s mobsters known for their healthful they ways. really should Chain can we talk we'll talk about that in the discussion drinking. but like really mobster health that's let's make that 2020s thing 
Getting mafia healthy again. Getting healthy. <laughs> Make mafia, mafia healthy again. again. <laughs> All right, listeners. Um, let's get into it. Let's talk about the disappearance of Jimmy Hoffa here on Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. Hoffa. Art, you and I have been to Detroit together before. Oh, yeah. Multiple times, even. Oh, yeah. We've had some good experiences in Detroit. Oh, yeah. We've met great people, performed Mm. comedy, went to Motown. We ate at both Lafayette Coney Island and American Coney Island. Lafayette is the superior Coney. By the way, listeners, if you're going to Detroit, we went fouling or fouling, however people say it. Mm -hmm. We had a kangaroo slider. We saw the Heidelberg Project, and we got Slow's Barbecue. Oh, my God. For all the jokes about Detroit being a post-apocalyptic wasteland, I think it's a neat place with fun things to do. I, I agree with you, Andy. I have great memories of Detroit. I love the people of Detroit. I love the city of Detroit. I think Detroit has a fighting spirit. I think they don't give a shit that, you know, they, they, they want to see their city come back to greatness, and I think it will. I think in the... Ruin of that city, it can be reborn again as something new. People, the land is cheap. People are buying it up. They're doing cool shit. Yes, people are struggling. But you know what? Detroit has a spirit and a air about it. Um, There's a lot of, you mentioned tons of great things. There's tons of great things to do. It's a fun place to vacation, I think. Yeah. And there's a lot of history to see. Yeah. They have good art museums there. Uh, these aren't museums about me. Uh, they're museums <laughs> I, about you. Probably suspected listeners yeah, that they were paintings and different things. It's a great place to be. Okay, Detroit is awesome. Yes. Uh, it, it is a it's a great place to go. And um, yeah, we 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 had great times there. The people of Detroit. Shout out to the Detroit Improv Festival. Shout out to the people who run that festival. Great people. Great people. Now, our, despite all the good times we had. There's one Detroit experience we never got. Uh, we never got to go to Bloomfield Township for a lunch date with two mobsters at the Maccus Red Fox. We didn't have the chance to be lured into a car in the parking lot and to never be seen again. You know who did get to do that stuff, though, Art? I don't know. Maybe uh, Sam Richardson and Tim Robinson in the now-canceled TV series Detroiters. Andy? Which probably failed partly because Comedy Central doesn't have any streaming options for people who don't have fucking cable subscriptions because it's 2020. So it makes perfect sense why some fucking media company wouldn't want people to watch their fucking content. So they end up canceling shows that I don't even have a chance to care about because I can't even watch them if I wanted to, Andy. Um, no, it's uh... Sam Richardson was excellent as Richard Splett in Veep. Tim Robertson's I Think You Should Leave is a great funny show, and yet Comedy Central can't make a fucking show with the two of them successful? Give me a fucking break. The funniest thing about Comedy Central now is what a fucking joke of a network it is. You're fucking roasted, Comedy Central. You show your face in the bunker, we'll kick your ass. Um, actually, uh, the answer I was looking for was, was Jimmy Hoffa. Oh! 
Jimmy Hoffa is the one who had the ultimate Detroit experience by disappearing from the Maccus Red Fox parking lot. Yeah, that makes sense. He's also the subject of our episode today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Jimmy Hoffa. Good thing Comedy Central didn't produce the research on Jimmy Hoffa because I would have never seen it. All right. Well, you just let it go and tell the listeners about Jimmy Hoffa already. I will let it go, but only for now because I care about the listeners. Thank you. While Andy and I never got to eat at the Moccas Red Fox or even disappear for over 40 years after going there, despite how much some people wish we would, (laughs) we do still have the opportunity to feed you the whole enchilada on Jimmy Hoffa. Jimmy Hoffa was born on February 14th, Valentine's Day. Aww. Aww. 1913 in Brazil, Indiana. Oh, exotic. It's a lot like the country Brazil in that it's home to a species of giant rodent. Oh, shit. Indiana, you're getting roasted. (laughs) Now, Jimmy's father was a coal miner and died of lung cancer when Jimmy was only seven years old. A few years later, Jimmy's family relocated to Detroit, Brazil. Whoa! (laughs) Just kidding. It was Detroit, Michigan in the good old U.S. of A. Young Jimmy left school at the age of 14 and started labor organizing activities in the 1930s, such as, you know, organizing worker strikes at his local Kroger. Uh, For our non-U.S. listeners or for our listeners who don't know, Kroger is a grocery store brand named for its founder, the evil entity called Freddy Kroger. (laughs) Yeah. Watch out. Oh, everybody, <laughs> get you. Everybody's getting roasted. Don't go to sleep at the grocery store. <laughs> It'll infiltrate your dreams with <laughs> hot deals on plums. <laughs> Two for one. <laughs> Jimmy continued to engage in organizing activities and in 1940 became chairman of the Central State Drivers Council, Truck Drivers Union Group. Honk, honk. Speaking of truck drivers unions. Honk, honk. <laughs> Jimmy became president of the Michigan Conference of Teamsters in 1942. Teamsters is a union that represents truck drivers and workers in related industries. Jimmy was a fast riser in the organization, becoming vice president of the International Teamsters in 1952 and winning election to the Teamsters presidency in 1957. Hoffa was a powerful leader, and under his watch, Teamsters grew to become the largest labor union in the USA. In fact, in 1964... Hoffa negotiated a freight hauling deal that got almost every truck driver in North America on the same contract. As Teamsters membership grew, so did Jimmy Hoffa's fame. At the time, nearly one third of all Americans were union members, and Teamsters was the biggest union of the bunch. Bulging Teamster memberships didn't just attract the attention of the American public, horny for a good contract for truck drivers. Mm. It also attracted some of my people, Andy. La Cosa Nostra. The Italian Mafia, baby. Oh, we. Ooh, we gonna put a little gabagoo on his enchilada now, my little bambinos. Capisce? Manja, manja. <laughs> Whoa, very Italian. <laughs> it's an open secret that Jimmy Hoffa was involved with the mob. In fact, it was uh, so open of a secret that it wasn't a secret at all. Neat. <laughs> the Deepsters had a lot of members, uh, which means they had a lot of people paying dues or membership fees. This led to the Teamsters having a huge pension fund, which interested the mafia. The pension fund was also good for corruption because, you know, not every truck driver is going to retire tomorrow. So you can pay the mob today and still have plenty of time to make the money back. Right? Right, Andy? 
<laughs> okay, sure. Jimmy may have taken some off the top of the pension fund, but he put it to good use. That money went to buy elections. It helped pay for the mob to threaten an assault rival or upstart unions on Teamsters turf. It even functioned as Jimmy Hoffa's expense account. Good use. <laughs> Naturally, all this so-called illegal, sleazy, corrupt activity also got the attention of the U.S. government, the sleaziest, most corrupt institution of all. Jimmy became a frequent adversary and target of Bobby Kennedy, whose career we've discussed before. Uh, check out our RFK assassination episode to learn more. Uh, Jimmy Hoffa beat off many a charge in court, but he eventually got gotten. In 1967, he was convicted of fraud, conspiracy, and jury tampering, and sentenced to 13 years in federal prison. While in jail, Jimmy stubbornly refused to give up the Teamsters presidency, trying to run the union from his his cell until June of 1971 when he finally resigned. Jimmy was released from jail in December 1971 when his sentence was commuted by President Richard Nixon with one condition, that Hoffa not engage in union activities again until 1980. Back in Detroit, Jimmy tried in vain to, do, to retake control of the Teamsters. Despite his efforts, the Teamsters had moved on while he was in prison. Then, on July 30th, 1975, Jimmy left his house, telling his wife he was meeting some people for lunch and would be back later that afternoon. Supposedly, Jimmy was on his way to the Moccas Red Fox restaurant in Bloomfield Township, the same one we mentioned earlier. He was having lunch that day with Anthony Tony Pro Provenzano, a New York Jersey, uh, a New Jersey <laughs> teamster and mobster, and Anthony Tony Jack Giacalone. Giacalone? I would call it Giacalone. Giacalone? Giacalone. Anthony Tony Jack Giacalone of the Detroit Mafia. Lunch was supposed to be at 2 p.m., but at 2.15 p.m., when Tony Pro and Tony Jack still hadn't shown up, Hoffa called his wife from the payphone to complain he was being stood up. He also reminded her he'd be at home at 4 to grill some steaks for dinner. Classic. Luckily for his colon... Jimmy never made it home to cook those steaks immediately after having lunch. <laughs> yeah, lucky for his colon. He was seen in the Red Fox parking lot while waiting for his dates, but after about 2.45 p.m., he was never seen again. Both Tony Pro and Tony Jack denied ever seeing Hoffa that day. Jimmy Hoffa disappeared without a trace, and despite FBI involvement in the, sh in the search, neither Jimmy nor his remains were ever found. Jimmy was presumed dead in 1982. So what happened to Jimmy Hoffa? Surely he didn't just fade away into thin air like my slim chances of any real success in life. There are a number of theories about Jimmy Hoffa's disappearance, certainly not the least of which is that he was taken out in a mafia hit. Now, it may seem strange for someone with strong ties to the mob like Hoffa to get whacked off, but hear me out on this, listeners. As we already mentioned, when Jimmy got out of jail, he tried to reestablish control over the Teamsters. The Mafia wasn't so keen on that idea, though. In fact, the mob had already fired bullets into Jimmy's house and blew up his car, trying to subtly let him know to back off. Incidentally, Jimmy also had an ongoing feud with Tony Pro that started when they were both in prison. The meeting at the Red Fox was brokered by Tony Jack and allegedly supposed to be a peace talk. The meeting, though, was just a setup to lure Hoffa to his death. While Jimmy waited in the parking lot, another car pulled up, beckoning him. 
And like a child seeing a windowless van with free candy painted on the side, Jimmy got in. Then Jimmy Hoffa got whacked off to death. Well, who done it? Who whacked off Jimmy Hoffa? That's the question. One suspect is Frank, the Irishman, Sheeran. <laughs> My co-host is laughing at me for some reason. The Irishman. <laughs> the Irishman. What the, do you want me to say? The Irishman. <laughs> He's the Irishman. The subject of the recent Martin Scorsese movie, The Irishman. Sheeran claimed he murdered Hoffa in Charlie Brandt's book, I Heard You Paint Houses, which is Brandt's recording of Sheeran's stories about his life. Uh, Frank Sheeran is a now-deceased mafia-connected trucker who was a one-time local Teamsters president and a self-proclaimed mob enforcer, hitman, and friend of Jimmy Hoffa. Sheeran claimed he learned to kill while serving in Italy during World War II. Sheeran said that if his lieutenant told him to, quote, interrogate someone and come back quick, that it was code to go kill the guy. After the war, Sheeran moved to Philadelphia, where he met northeastern Pennsylvania mob boss Russell McGee Buffalino and just happened to be uh, the cousin of William Buffalino, Jimmy Hoffa's longtime attorney. Mm -hmm. After meeting Russell Buffalino, Sheeran claims he was paid $10,000 by a mobster called Whispers to burn down a rival business. Sheeran says he was seen casing the place which turned out to be owned by one of Buffalino's friends. Since Sheeran knew Buffalino, he wasn't killed. Instead, to make things right, Sheeran was told to kill Whispers, which he claims he did. Sheeran says pulling off the hit earned, earned him a phone meeting with Jimmy Hoffa. Sheeran claims that Hoffa says to him, I heard you paint houses, which Sheeran claims is code for whacking off guys on account of blood splattering like paint. Sheeran told Hoffa, I also do my own plumbing, or I do my own carpentry work, which is code for disposing of the bodies. So then Hoffa says, you drywall your basement or what? And that means, can you eat more hot dogs than me in a competition setting? Mm -hmm. Mobsters speak. I mean, it's, yeah. you know. See, people know this. Jimmy must have liked Sheeran's answers because Sheeran says Jimmy helped him become a Teamsters chapter president in Delaware and then hired him to be Hoffa's very own muscle. Sheeran says Jimmy had him beat up people, commit murders, and run guns. Sheeran also claims to have been part of some important historical events. For instance, he says he was told by the mafia to drive a truckload of guns and uniforms to Florida, which he says were then used in the Bay of Pigs invasion, the invasion of my ancestral homeland, as listeners of this show know. Sheeran also says that he delivered rifles to a pilot who then flew the rifles to Texas where the rifles were used to murder JFK. Um, we do talk about the mob aspect in our episode on JFK, which you can also check out uh, in our extensive library of episodes. On top of all this, Sheeran also says that he is the guy who whacked off Jimmy Hoffa. Sheeran says that in July 1975, he flew to Michigan in preparation for the hit. Sheeran claims he rode with some associates to the Red Fox to meet Hoffa. They convinced Hoffa to get into the car and drove him to a house where they told Hoffa the expected peace meeting would take place. Sheeran says Jimmy entered the house first with Sheeran himself behind and that Jimmy knew it was a setup when he walked in and nobody walked out to greet him. Sheeran then says that in the doorway of the empty house, the two men alone together 
that he whacked off Jimmy Hoffa. Oh, baby, what a story. But is it just fanfic? Mm. There are a few people who think that Frank Sheeran is, uh, to put it in mafia lingo, full of shit. Mm. Author Dan Moldea, who you might remember from our Bobby Kennedy episode, did extensive interviews with many people connected to Hoffa and the mob. In fact, Moldea's first book, The Hoffa Wars, was on the subject of Jimmy Hoffa. Hoffa is the Hoffa in the title. He's the titular Hoffa. The titular Jimmy Hoffa. <laughs> Dan Moldea believes that Frank Sheeran was in Detroit when Hoffa was murdered and even believes that Sheeran was in the car that picked up Hoffa. But he doesn't think Sheeran was the trigger man. Moldea assigns that distinction to Tony Pro's top enforcer, Salvatore Sally Bugs, uh, Brig- <laughs> Brigugilo. Briguglio. Briguglio. Jeez. Uh. Who's the Italian one here? Uh, huh? That's a tough one. Briguglio. Briguglio. Manja. Uh, Moldea thinks that Sheeran was used as a lure for Hoffa, an old acquaintance who could put Jimmy at ease so he'd get into the car. Uh, let's hear from Moldea in his own words, though. Here's what he said about I Heard You Paint Houses. Quote, this is a one-source story about a pathological liar. End quote. <laughs> uh, geez, Dan. Tell us what you really think. (laughs) Moldea also shares a story about meeting with Robert De Niro, who plays Frank Sheeran in The Irishman, before the movie was made. Uh, De Niro apparently liked Sheeran's story and had been trying to get a movie made. De Niro meets Moldea, and Moldea basically tells him that Sheeran's story is BS. Moldea says, quote, De Niro had a lot of pride that he is doing the real story. I told him, that he's been conned. Mamma mia, Dan Moldea whacked off Robert De Niro's dreams. Oh, oh. got him. Oh, baby. <laughs> Dan Moldea isn't the only one questioning Sheeran's account, though. John Carlisle Berkeley, uh, a Philadelphia mobster during the same time Frank Sheeran was in Philly, said that Sheeran is, quote, full of shit. See? It's mafia lingo. Forget about it. <laughs> Berkeley also had Berkeley. this. To- Berkery. Berkery, my bad. Uh, Berkery also had this to say. Sorry, my apologies to the Berkery family. Uh, Berkery also had this to say. Quote, Frank Sheeran never killed a fly. The only things he ever killed were countless jugs of red wine. You could tell how drunk he was by the color of his teeth. Pink just started. Dark purple, stiff. And listeners, by stiff, he meant drunk. It's not a reference to red wine giving Frank Sheeran a massive erection, which is, you know, what I originally thought the first time I read that quote. Very cool. Father Bill Tonelli wrote a great piece for Slate on Frank Sheeran's story. It's in the research links in the show notes if you'd like to check it out. Tonelli has some interesting quotes about Sheeran. uh, After he talked to a number of mobsters, law enforcement officials, and other connected parties, Tonelli says, quote, Not a single person I spoke with who knew Sheeran from Philly, and I interviewed cops and criminals and prosecutors and reporters, could remember even a suspicion that he had ever killed anyone, end quote. In fact, after Hoffa's disappearance, the FBI was interested in Sheeran as a suspect. Despite that, Sheeran wasn't even called in to appear in a lineup. As Tonelli points out, Sheeran claimed to have committed lots of murders for Hoffa, too many to count even. Yet, even with all of the intense legal scrutiny Jimmy Hoffa was under, Hoffa was never charged in a murder-related crime. Tonelli also says this, quote, Sheeran was later twice indicted in the murders of union rivals, but in neither case did the government or anyone else accuse him of touching a trigger, 
only of hiring the hitmen who did his dirty work for him. When Sheeran was finally convicted of something, it was for cheating his own union members, end quote. Okay, so there are obviously people not buying Sheeran's story, but some people do buy it. People like Eric Sean, a Fox News reporter. Uh, Sean met Frank Sheeran in 2001 and felt like his account was genuine. Then in 2004, Sean went to the house where Sheeran says he killed Hoffa. Sean and team pulled up the floorboards and did indeed find blood. They had the blood tested, but it wasn't a match to Hoffa. Sean believes the lack of a match is due to deterioration of the sample in the floorboards, thanks to the length of time between the murder and his investigation. In spite of this test result, Sean still believes Sheeran is telling the truth. If Hoffa was actually whacked off, his body has never been recovered. So what happened to it? Well, there's plenty of gruesome ideas out there. Some people say that Jimmy was fed to alligators. Some say he was burned in an incinerator. Infamous murderer Richard the Iceman Kuklinski says they put Jimmy's body in the trunk of a car, then had the car crushed and sold for scrap metal in Japan. The ultimate ignominy for a proud union man like Hoffa, being turned into a car for a non-union market. SMDH. Now, the latest big suspicion is that Hoffa is buried in Jersey City, New Jersey, at the former PJP landfill. Dan Moldea got what he believes is credible information from the guy who owned PJP when Jimmy was murdered, a guy by the name of Philip Brother Moscato. Moscato says that Jimmy's body is buried at the landfill. The story goes that Jimmy was murdered, put in a 55-gallon drum, and driven to PJP where he was buried. There has yet to be extensive excavation to look for Jimmy's corpse, but the FBI searched the dump in the 70s, and the site has undergone plenty of cleanup efforts mandated by the EPA since then, and none of that work has ever turned up a body. Body in a landfill. Real original. Let's talk about something more unique. Okay. Some people believe that Hell's Kitchen mobster James Jimmy C. Coonan was actually the one who whacked off Jimmy Hoffa. Mm. After the hit, Jimmy C. had Hoffa's body dismembered with a power saw and a meat cleaver packed into plastic bags and frozen. Ooh, that is gruesome. That is gruesome. The body was then transported to New Jersey where Giant Stadium was being constructed at the Meadowlands. Uh, Allegedly, the body was mixed into concrete that became the foundation under Section 107. This story got a little traction, and Giant Stadium even marked the spot on stadium maps. Yeah, Art. That's a good one. But how about this? A Hoffa Teamsters organizer and strongman, Joseph Franco, says that federal agents kidnapped Jimmy and threw him out of a plane over the Great Lakes. Okay, sure. But don't forget this one, Andy. Retired cold case detective James Cameron. John John Cameron. Not director James Cameron. My mistake. That's right. He was filming Avatar at the time. <laughs> James Cameron. Retired of cold case detective John Cameron says that Hoffa was just another victim of serial killer Edward Wayne Edwards. Huh? Eh? You're not familiar. Ed Edwards became one of the FBI's 10 most wanted criminals after escaping from jail and then robbing gas stations across the country to support himself. Pulled him up by the bootstraps. (laughs) Edwards was eventually paroled, appeared on TV a couple of times, and wrote an autobiography. Later on, Edwards was uh, convicted of and or confessed to the murders of five people while also taking credit for many other unconfirmed murders. In one of Edwards' papers found by the FBI, he claimed to be writing a book about criminals he met in prison, including Tony Pro and none other than Jimmy Hoffa. What is with this story? 
Aren't there any versions where Jimmy Hoffa doesn't get murdered? <laughs> In fact, there is, oh. listeners. Some people think that Jimmy Hoffa didn't die, but rather escaped to Mexico, where he's maybe still alive to this day. So what happened to Jimmy Hoffa? A lot of people think he was murdered. Was it the mafia? The feds? A serial killer? And what awful thing happened to the Hoffer's body? Well, maybe. Maybe. Jimmy Hoffa was just a world-weary man, grown tired of the rat race. His time in prison made him an anachronism. He came home to a world changed. Maybe rather than struggle to get it all back, fighting against time and change for the rest of his existence, maybe he chose to head down to a bar called the Red Fox, where he planned his escape. Perhaps all that happened here is that Jimmy Hoffa realized he liked pina coladas and getting caught in the rain. He liked the feel of the ocean and the taste of champagne. He liked making love at midnight in the dunes of the Cape. And listeners, if this has been the episode you've looked for, come with us and escape. Welcome back, listeners. That was our research of the disappearance of Jimmy Hoffa. 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 Hey, uh, Hoffa. Uh, I keep saying Hoffa because it's all I can think of about this. Because uh, if everyone remembers those uh, those Dish Network commercials, they used to have uh, uh, those that Hopper. Yeah. And they had that family of people in Boston, and they'd they'd start talking about the Hopper, and they'd be the Hoppa. Yeah. Hoppa. He's on the Hoppa, and then the hopper. grandma would go to Hoppa. The Hoppa. Yeah. So, Hoffa. Yeah, Hoffa. Thank you for that, Andy. Thanks. Uh, if you remember that commercial, tweet at us at MrBunkerPod with the hashtag Hoppa. Hoppa Hoffa. Hoppa Hoffa. Hoppa Hoffa. Uh, oof, Andy, uh, this is a cold case. Yeah. Cold cuts, an Italian, an Italian sub is... of cold cuts, and this is a cold case. This is an Italian grinder. <laughs> A hoagie. Hoagie. A sub. Yeah. Marine sandwich. Where's your first inclination to go with this guy? Um, With with what I think. Dead or escaped? Um, I mean, what do we think? I think he's dead. Yeah. I think even if he did escape, he's dead by now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's face it. This is a guy who has a 2 p.m. lunch meeting and is going to start cooking steaks at 4. He's not a healthy man. <laughs> if he made it past 75, I'd be shocked. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, by the time he's done grilling the steaks, it'd be like 5, 530. <laughs> Gotta let the steaks rest for a bit. Yeah. Let them warm up. Let them, let them rest for 10 minutes. Let them thaw. Yeah. No more. 20, Andy. Come on. Let them thaw. Let those steaks thaw. Can you imagine, though, you tell your wife, yeah, I'm going for a lunch meeting, and you don't leave until 1.15, and then you call her at 2.15, and you're like, I'll be home at 4 to grill steaks. Wouldn't she be like, why are you going to be hungry at 4? I mean, I think lunch meeting is very a loose term here, Andy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if they're actually going to all sit down and have a fun look, little lunch. Look, I eat lunch. If you invite me to a lunch meeting, I'm eating. Like, make no mistake. <laughs> Andy, I don't know how well you'd work as a, 
a mobster. If you take me to a restaurant, I'm eating. I'm not going there just for funsies. <laughs> They're like trying to talk fucking business. You're like, uh-huh. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you want to meet me for just a meeting? You take me someplace where there's no food. Meet me at a library. We'll get a conference room. Meet me at um, a bus terminal. Meet me somewhere that I can't get a meal. You know, I thought about this with this episode. Table service? Come on. Of course I'm going to eat. Take me to a lunch counter? Maybe I won't eat. Maybe I'll refrain. I'll probably get something to drink, though. I, I tried to think about this with this episode. I can't tell. I can't tell if you would be the greatest mob hitman in the world or the worst. <laughs> you think that there's no in between with me? I would either be the best of all time or the worst of all time. Either one. I mean, here's the thing, Andy. You're very. Listeners might know this, but I know this for sure because I know you. You are Mr. Politician. You're when you're at a party or a social event, Andy, you walk around and you schmooze. Yeah, Do you yeah. not? Yeah, I'll work the room. You ooze schmooze. I'll it turns into room. schmear you schmooze so smudge. Oh, schmear. You're schmearing that schmooze. I schmooshed. You, I schmooshed. You ooze schmooze. Yeah, I schmooze. Uh, I, I mean, you're talking to everybody. You're Mr. Friendly. You're Mr. Jovial. You're so innocent and plump. Oh, he wouldn't kill anybody. Eh, wrong. Yeah. So you, you have think- the eyes of a cold, dead killer. I've seen them. I look into them every week. So, and I bet you would take a human life if you had to. So you really just think that I would be good because I would have good alibi? Like people wouldn't suspect me? No, I think it's you're dead inside and you would have no problem killing somebody mm-hmm. with a gun, the greatest equalizer of all. It's not yeah. like you have to like chase somebody down and stab them. You just fucking pop them that. And you're Mr. Friendly, so everyone thinks you're Mr. Innocent. I'd say the only thing Going against you is how recognizable you are. You are so much easier to pick out of a lineup than I am, Andy. Don't you think? Oh, yeah. I have a really uh, unusual body, like an unfortunate body. Um, And because you're so friendly, people just remember you. Right, yeah. People do remember me. Um, I have been recognized in public before. Yeah. um, From My ability to go unnoticed is my strongest asset Mm -hmm. uh, with being a mobster. That's true. People will be like, I don't know. He looked like a classic male improviser. And they'd be like, all right, well, let's get all 40 of our fucking suspects in here. Right. Yeah. You uh, and and people tend not to remember you that much. Yeah. I mean, in the in the comedy scene. Yeah. yeah. In other scenes, I'm I don't well, have remember? that problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if we're going off of this. Yeah. Um, I mean, my experience has been that a lot of people remember me. Yes. Um, because I have an obnoxious personality. Yeah. Uh, I'm usually in people's faces. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I have a weird looking body. <laughs> That's memorable. Um, but what do you think? Do you think you'd make a good mob hitman or no? Um, well, here's the thing for the mafia. Uh, I'm going to say this about the mob and Enforcer. for mafias, mafiosos listening. I mean, don't take this personally. Most people in the mafia kind of suck at crime. So <laughs> I don't think that, you know, it's like, I think that. Everybody pretty much knows who does the crimes. Yeah. It's just that they can't, right. you know, the state's not able to prove it because there's no, there's not sufficient physical evidence. They have their underlings and, to do it. And nobody will tell, you know, it's like you got to wait for a rat to come out. Right. Um, no, Andy, I, I I understand what you're saying. You're saying the best criminals are the legal ones, like taxation. Oh, the government's the biggest criminal of all. Hey, um, <laughs> I I just feel like, you know, to be a mobster, all you got to do is have the guts and be willing to accept that you might get killed 
by somebody else. You have to live, yeah, with death. Yeah. Yeah. You just have to live with There's that. There's always a target on your back. Yeah. I they, mean, they never die of old age, Andy. And I think, and if they do, they die rats. I think that um, I would be a bad mobster in that respect because, I mean, while I accept that death stalks me at every turn, the thought of being murdered is unpleasant to me. I really? don't. I find it distasteful. Be pretty quick. Uh, I expect fully to die of natural causes, like soon, but you know. Being being killed, being whacked off, like I just, I don't know. It's an unpleasant thought for me. I feel like it would think, happen pretty quick. I think because it feels like it's something you could prevent, and I think that's the thing that would bother me is that I could prevent it, so I'd be paranoid about it. Uh, maybe you wouldn't be a good enforcer. You you'd be the uh, consigliere or the you'd be the the numbers guy. Yeah, I'd be. Uh, you'd, you'd work the books. For I'd the be mob. working the books. Yeah, you'd be, be laundering money. Right. Yeah. And then you stupidly would be washing the money, and then the boss would come in and be like, Andy, what are you doing? You'd be like, it all fell apart of the washing machine. Boing, boing, boing. She's sorry, boss. (laughs) That's you as a mobster. That was $6 million. Oopsie poopsie. (laughs) You told me to launder it. Oink. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. You'd be more cerebral. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to get my hands dirty. Right. So... You just want to I mean, if they little... wanted me to manage a team of enforcers, yeah, I could probably do that. <laughs> like a little you know, scheduling hits and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I could do that. Do that. But if they want me to walk into Umberto's clam house and you know, freaking knock whack off, off crazy, whack off crazy Joe Gallo while he yeah. sits there eating his clams for his birthday, right? I probably can't do it. Frank Sheeran claimed that he did that. By the way, that's right, he did. He claimed a lot of stuff, Andy. What do you make of Frank? Frank, uh, a lot of people don't believe his fucking wow. story. Uh, I want to just make, uh, I want to just say that, like, a lot of people, yeah, they, Dan like a will, lot of people, a lot of people don't buy it. Yeah. Uh, you know, he wasn't a suspect. The F, like, the FBI didn't think that he was a suspect. And, like, he takes credit for a lot of murders, right? And a lot of, like, historical events and stuff. Like, for a guy who was dying in obscurity when he was, you know, record when he gave all these stories to Charles Brandt, who wrote the book I Heard You Paint Houses, for a guy who was like dying in relative obscurity, he makes it seem like he was a really important figure right. in mafia activity on the East Coast. Right. And I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Like, Dudes who tend to talk like that, if mafia movies have taught us anything, if actual historical events have taught us anything, dudes who boast themselves like that typically uh, weren't actually doing anything. I think that Dan Muldea makes a good point. He is a pathological liar. Yeah. And there's lots of evidence of him. He's not even, a reliable narrator. No, even outside of this, there's like other evidence of him like <laughs> claiming things that were lies, like lying in court and stuff like that. Um, and uh, Bill... Uh, Tonelli writing about this um, points this out too that uh, again this stuff is all you know read the stuff in the show notes it's interesting um, but Bill Tonelli points out that you know the name of the book is I Heard You Paint Houses and there's this exchange between allegedly between the Irishman and Jimmy Hoffa where Ho- where Hoffa says I heard you paint houses and he says yeah I do my own plumbing or I do my own carpentry work Bill Tonelli asked a whole bunch of mobsters about this. Right. Nobody even says that anyone says that. 
So these are guys that are old. They're out of the game. They've already been to prison. Like they don't have any reason to like cover that up. And it's not incriminating anybody, but nobody's ever heard this terminology before. Like this is totally new, like phraseology. So the fact that it's, you know, that somebody like Frank Sheeran, who's just getting started in the mafia, would know this super obscure alleged uh, piece of that, that like long-term mobsters never said. Yeah, I mean... It's almost like he made that up, too. We are kind of dealing with some unreliable narrators. Yeah. We don't know if these mobsters are telling the truth. Maybe they're all fucking with us. Yeah, a lot of mobsters are lying. On the other hand, do we think the mob would trust some schmuck Irishman, Irishman, who's never killed anybody, no murders on his record, to go kill Jimmy Hoffa? Okay. Do we think they would trust him to get it done? Frank Sheeran. A friend of his. Frank Sheeran is like me. He's either the greatest mafia hitman <laughs> of all time or he's not a mafia hitman <laughs> at all. And you're also six foot four. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think Bill Tonelli describes him as an Irish gorilla or yeah. something like that because yeah. he's like six four, two forty. 240. He's fucking huge. Yeah. Huge man. Um, you know, so it's, it, I don't know. It's, it's like. Yeah, I, why would they? Why would they trust this? Meanwhile, yeah. you know the guy that most people suspect is Sally Bugs, and he was a confirmed like murderer. Oh, yeah. He had pulled off hits before. He was Tony Pro's enforcer. Like, it's it not like we don't sense. know who the fucking muscle is. Right, they're just right. really good at it, and you can't place them. You can, you can't place them at the scene because even if people describe them and pick them out in a lineup, it's it's like almost circumstantial, you know? Because right. then. It's like if you're a prosecutor, you have to get a jury to decide that that person's testimony is so credible that that's definitely who it is, even though they'll have no physical evidence. No other mobsters are right. going to rat on they them. They have police on the payroll so right. they can, you know, yeah. get stuff done that way. And despite all this, they still go to jail all the time. <laughs> I mean, Tony Pro went to jail like multiple times. Eventually, they get enough intel on them that they get them or... A Whitey Bulger white, story. Happens. White collar crimes. White co- they get him for white collar crimes evasion and stuff. Yeah, that's how they got uh, Al Capone, right? Mm-hmm. Tax evasion. The FBI couldn't place him for any mob activities. But IRS, the IRS will get got you. Him. Yeah. IRS will get you. And then you get syphilis while in jail. Uh, it happens to all of us. It happens to us all. Andy and I have a tale as old as time. Horrible syphilis from our time in jail. That's right. We spend time in jail, listeners, for, for making this podcast. It was a research project. <laughs> Oh, it was? <laughs> I thought they sent us to prison for this podcast. <laughs> they did. That was, okay. We've been to jail multiple times. Look, we're hardened criminals, okay? We're hard. People are like, the intro's really annoying and not funny. Go to jail. And so we did. Do not collect $200. <laughs> Do not pass go. We went to Monopoly jail. <laughs> Monopoly jail seems fun. I mean, come on. If you're going to go to jail, do you want to go to a real jail or you want to go to Monopoly jail? Every time I get every time I get into jail, I immediately start a fight with the biggest person in there. <laughs> and it ruins every family game of Monopoly. Yeah. You start fighting your you start fighting your wife. Yeah. Or your cousin or whoever's the biggest yeah, one there. Yeah. And then, you know, I pull out cigarettes from my anus to trade for stuff in, in the cigarettes. In jail. Dude, it's all vapes now. You gotta get back into prison. Oh, I gotta <laughs> I got a whole bunch of vape cartridges in my anus. Dude, as soon as I go to Monopoly jail, I immediately seek out a big, buff, burly version of the Monopoly man. He doesn't have a top hat, but he has a, like a stripy, old-timey jail suit and a big ball and chain. I yeah. immediately find him and I beat his ass. Yeah, just, just to let everyone else in the jail know. Like I let the, the thimble know. I let the bathtub know. I let the hat know. Yeah. The top hat, 
the top hat will get you. Yeah, get you some goods in prison. You just got to really because of the ball and chain. All you got to do is like punch him and then just back off because <laughs> yeah, he can't, can't get you. Can't he's got he's tethered. I immediately do that, and then they know I'm king of the prison. I'm not right. to be fucked with. Right. Smart. That's uh, smart. Fuck. Where was I going? Okay, so I join a gang. <laughs> you always join a gang in prison. You join the race cars gang. Yeah. In prison. He'll help you get into that community chest. <laughs> he knows the order of the chance cards. Yeah. He's, he's got contacts outside. But as soon as you get out, you better buy him Park Place. Then they bust me. You know, I start off on Baltic Avenue. <laughs> Slums. Fucking streets. It's tough. You work your way work up. Work my way up to New York Avenue and then bam, I back in jail again. Buy all the railroads. Yeah. Soon enough, you've got a monopoly. The titular monopoly. Everybody's got to ride my railroads if they're so lucky to hit that one space in four. The banker doesn't know it, but you're slipping fives back to the jail over and over again. <laughs> you got to get me out for free. <laughs> There's a target on your back. That tiny puppy is going to kill you. Going to jail ruins your chances. I mean, there you think be, I could be a hotel owner after going to jail? There should be Who's going to loan me the money? There should be a DLC for Monopoly where you actually get to, like, play it from prison it's, and, like, learn more fucking skills. It's only just jail. It's yeah. Monopoly, but only the jail well, stuff. I, only from jail. From the makers of Monopoly Disney comes Monopoly Federal Prison. <laughs> the whole board is just one space. It's jail. Yeah. You can never leave. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's two spa- two spaces. One is jail, one is minor drug offense. Yeah. And once you get minor drug offense, you go to jail and you cannot get out. Yeah. Cuz you lose your privileges to roll. Oh god. <laughs> hey. Yeah. Hasbro, get at us. So you you were looking up who manufactures uh, yeah. Monopoly. Yeah, yeah, we got a lot of great ideas from Monopoly. Um, I want to say this though, Andy. Like, yeah, what we know from certain mobster killers. Like, if we take the Iceman Richard Kuklinski. Oh baby, what a what a now. There's a killer. There's a killer. There's there's literally a psychopath. Literally a psychopath murdered allegedly hundreds of people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, while having a family. Yeah. And just kind of. Which I'm sure he was not a terrifying father at all. Allegedly, I think from when I watched a movie about him, he was actually not a bad dad. I mean, you know, he was a 70s dad, so he probably like, you know, hit his kids and his wife. But in the 70s, people were okay with that, which is fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> that is very fucked up. Um, But I mean, like, he wasn't like a, I don't know. This is coming from a movie starring Michael Shannon, so yeah. or Michael Shannon. So, what do I fucking know? Um, that guy didn't walk around boasting what he did. That guy didn't. He he got caught. He went to prison, and then that's when he started talking. When it was over. Yeah, you know what's interesting about the Iceman, though. Yeah, a lot of people who do hits for the mafia, they. They call them mafia hitmen and stuff. Call them enforcers. Right. Like, they get that title. Yeah. The Iceman, though, he just straight up gets referred to as a serial killer. Because it's like, he killed people outside of... Like, he killed he killed people on his own accord. Yeah. Like, not because somebody asked him to. Yeah, if people would, like, bump his shoulder wrongly, like... Or right. Accidentally bump into him at a... Uh, 
at a bar. He just be like, oh, okay, let me kill you. Yeah. Just fucking yeah. straight up murder you in your car. And it was so easy to murder back then. Oh my god, was it fucking crazy yeah, there's easy so to many, murder. Too many rules on murdering nowadays. <laughs> used to be it really was, though. So much fewer barriers to entry of murder. I mean, think about it. Like, it was a lot easier to murder back then. Yeah. It was, there wasn't as strong of DNA testing. It wasn't... Uh, I don't think there was any DNA testing. I don't think DNA testing came until like the late... Early 80s, even? I don't know. Do you ever think about how hard it would have been to solve a murder in ancient times? Oh my god. How would you do it? Just blame it on a witch. Yeah. <laughs> Just pick somebody you think that did it and blamed it because nobody's entitled to due process. So I mean, you could just convict them and then execute them. We've done so. We've done some stuff on like werewolves. And yeah. Other things. They would just be like, pick a person. It's a fucking werewolf. Yeah. This guy. This weird guy that we don't like. <laughs> this guy who's uh, yeah. This uh, this Catholic over here. Yeah. Mm? Yeah. He's not Protestant. Yeah. Pick somebody with a religion different from yours. <laughs> and then. Just, <laughs> I spilled water in the bunker. Oh God! I, I spilled water, water in the bunker. The bunker. <laughs> Just pick somebody with a different religion than you and uh, blame them for everything. I got listeners. We got to pause. I got to clean up the water. Clean up the water in the bunker. Listeners are back. I cleaned up the water and spilled in the bunker. My bed. My feet are wet now. <laughs> it was uh, it was a lot of water. My water broke. Uh, <laughs> Art's always drinking his water out of a forty-five liter jug. <laughs> I've got a uh, <laughs> got like a. Uh, Water, uh, ah, fuck it. It's a big balloon with a straw in it. <laughs> I can't, a water tank for a small mobile home. Yeah. Just inject it into my camel pack. Yeah, single wide. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Andy, can we rule out the government involvement on this? Did the government take out Hoffa? So, Hoffa? I don't think President so. President Richard Nixon, I'm not a crook, but he was. He was a crook. And he want he knew Hoffa. He he commuted his sentence and he wanted uh he wanted him to stop and not get involved. What do you think, Andy? No, I don't I don't really think the government I mean, this story comes from Franco and Franco had been keeping it secret and busted it out when he did because he was hoping for some leniency by uh by uh, federal agents for some criminal charges he was facing. Okay. So to me this is like probably a lot of these stories is more self-serving than anything. So I'm not really convinced by that. It doesn't doesn't move the needle for me. Plus there's nothing to support it. Well, we know that the mob and the CIA did work together. Family Jewels document. Yes, that's Let's true. Go. That's true. Uh that is a actual fact. But yeah. yeah, I mean, what reason would they have to kill this, you know, that's that's talking about killing big time Political opponents. Yeah, the mob was engaged to, like, whack off Fidel Castro. Right. I mean, this is Jimmy Hoffa. They're not whacking off Jimmy Hoffa. He already resigned the presidency. Yeah. I mean... He was just kind of a pest. The Teamsters didn't want him back. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was just a pest. He was feuding with the mafia. Uh, I mean, I think the mafia makes the most sense. Yeah. Because, you know, you don't... You get involved with the mob, you start fighting with the mob... If you're not a mobster yourself, like Jimmy didn't have a bunch of guys working for him. Like he was leveraging the mob. Right. He lost access to the pension fund. So he's just a nobody now. Right. Grilling steaks at 4 p.m. His legacy lives on, Andy. Mm hmm. His fucking son is the president of the Teamsters right now. <laughs> yes. In, I think, 1999. <laughs> yeah. Uh, his son, James P. Hoffa, was elected president of the Teamsters and a position he continues to hold to this day. Uh, his son actually was an attorney. 
uh, who worked uh, in a legal capacity for the Teamsters for a lot of years. Yeah. Uh, his father inducted him into the Teamsters or whatever, made him a member. Um, you know, there was uh, there was uh, actually some controversy when he was being considered to run for president of the Teamsters because he didn't work in a Teamsters position. Mm. You know, he wasn't a truck driver or a position that would be the Teamsters. Like, he technically didn't qualify to be the president. So he did some, like, temp job for a year, uh, like working as a secretary for somebody or something. Yeah. That was actually, like, a Teamsters job. Right. So that he could qualify to be president. Yeah, and... I think we made that kind of clear, but for any, you know, international listeners, the Teamsters are like, they're truck drivers, delivery men. Uh, That's kind of their union. It's a lot of things. It's like service workers. I mean, the union's kind of like expanded a lot. It's huge. Uh, Yeah. I mean, most- It's the biggest in North America. Most most trade unions, at least in this country, kind of cover- Bigger swaths right. of, of people for the most part, like a big big union like they that. They have international chapters and they're in yeah. Canada and you know other places. So And it's uh it's still a big union. Um but it's uh the the mafia influence has been like pretty much eradicated. Yeah. The, I mean the mafia itself is kind of it still exists, obviously, but I think yeah, I think crime is changing. Yeah, I mean, you know, most mafia now is like involved in the drug trade. Yeah, drugs, prostitution, right, guns. Yeah, classic stuff. So you know, the mafia involvement in the Teamsters—they worked hard to to now erase we're that image. Cybercrime. Yeah, yeah, that's the mafia is going to be big in cybercrime. Oh yeah, you're going to have uh, LASL. You. <laughs> you're going to have uh, Johnny. Angel Fire uh, XX XX 420XX Angelino. <laughs> yeah. And he's going to hack you off. Yeah. Gonna, Instead of getting whacked, you're going to get hacked. hacked. <laughs> I got hacked off by the mob. <laughs> oh, no. It's it's uh, it's old Bobby Leet. <laughs> Bobby 1337 H A X X O R S. Hackanelli. Hackinelli. Yeah, they've he changed to have more cyber yeah. cyber names. They've changed their names legally. <laughs> um Johnny Two Fingers. <laughs> He's only got two fingers, but he can still hack you off. <laughs> um Yeah. <laughs> um so federal agents. Not convinced. What do you think about Giants Stadium? Does that move the needle for Let's you? Let's talk about the way we think he died. Because I think we both agree he died. Yeah. Or he's dead. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about Escape? You think yay or nay? No? Ah. You think he was you think it was a mafia hit? Yeah, he's dead. Okay. Uh buried in Giants Stadium, man. It's pretty fucking mafia. Uh I actually recently was reading something unrelated to this. Um and apparently disposing of bodies in concrete is actually a really common way that people get rid of bodies yeah. and that it becomes like hard to find later on. How the fuck would you find it? Yeah. Because like, think about it. You chop up a body, throw it in some fucking concrete. It gets mixed. Yeah. And then all the parts are in there. You're not going to smell anything. They can, you know, they have these like corpse sniffing dogs. Yeah. Like police forces have and. The dogs can like detect the corpse scent. 
Oh, really? In the concrete, but then it's super hard to find. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, may, if you, you dig it up, yeah. it's like you, it's, you know, it's hard to like find it. You're gonna break it. Yeah. So it's actually uh, apparently a common and efficient way to get rid of bodies, listeners. If you're looking to get rid of a body, <laughs> consider putting it in concrete. I mean, that's apparently how like, you know. Like, yeah, that's that's common in the mob. That's yeah. what it's like. Oh, they run the sewage or they run uh, a uh, cement company. That's right. the trope, right, right with right. the mafias. They run a cement company. Yeah, yeah, they have they have a legitimate business that's run by mafias, so it does, like, all these crooked things, like, right. like the PJP landfill right. in Jersey City. I don't know. You know, the Teamsters, they're truck drivers, they're delivery people. They could have just driven the body out somewhere else. Um. I got a question though. Why do it that way? Why, why go? To, why take it to another place? So that I don't know. Nobody thinks it's connected to where it uh, is buried. What's that big uh, center in Detroit? The Renaissance Center. Uh, you know that big like GM headquarters building. Sure. Some people think that Jimmy's part of the foundation there. That they mixed his body in the. Con- I mean, he's been alleged to be. Part of the concrete for like many foundations could be in the concrete that built this bunker. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, Mr. B, what do you got to say about that? I don't know. I mean, I think when you bury a body in multiple different places, it just makes the investigation astronomically, exponentially harder to coordinate. Like, you find some fucking arm in Arizona, like, you got to coordinate with that task force out in New Jersey to like. Like, hey, this is the arm that belongs to your John Doe. <laughs> Think about it. Yeah, but I mean, these stories mostly are just that. It's 1975, Andy. They they whacked off Jimmy Hoffa, and then they took his body someplace else. You know, like one other place. But why would seems, you just leave a body? It just seems so risky to like. You said yourself they're not good criminals. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> You're right. You got me there. Andy. I'm just thinking, like, you're driving a body. What's your logic behind driving this? A, driving a body in a 55-gallon drum all the freaking way to New Jersey. It's like, what if you get in a car accident? Then there's Jimmy Hoffa's just dead body pops out the back of your truck. People are going to be like, oh, shit, there's Jimmy Hoffa. People aren't going to know. People will know it's Jimmy Hoffa. He was famous. They're not going to know. People know it was Jimmy Hoffa. Not some fucking. <laughs> some Jamoke from some fucking Jamoke. He'll no, he'll say, Oh, this Hoffa. <laughs> oh, baby, I found the gold mine. Here's Jimmy Hoffa's body. Oh, wee. I don't know. I think, yeah, I think they probably just, just brought it somewhere. I don't know if they mixed it into concrete. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not super well versed. You know, maybe they just stored it somewhere mm-hmm. and then drove it somewhere. I think, I think they drove it somewhere. Okay. They could have incinerated him. Mm-hmm. That's a popular story is that he just got taken to an incinerator and burned up. Who who do we, I mean, do we think that like Sally, like Tony Pro and Tony Jack, mm-hmm. they're Teamster Mafia guys, right? Uh, Tony Jack and his brother Vito Jack were just like Detroit mobsters. Okay. But so they knew Hoffa and like Tony Pro was was a Mafia guy, but also had a Teamsters thing. And so Tony uh, Tony Jack and his brother Vito are the ones who brokered this meeting with Tony Pro and like got him to come in from New Jersey to sit down with Hoffa after the, the two of them met in prison, Hoffa and Tony Pro, and they had this feud stemming from when they were in prison. 
I don't think they Sheeran, had been I don't before. think Sheeran was there at the meeting. Yeah, I mean, is that confirmed? Uh, no, it's not really confirmed. But I don't it, think he was there. Dan Muldea thinks that he was in the car. I don't think so. Um, but he doesn't think he pulled the trigger. I don't think they would let leave a witness. And I, honestly, him—that's not their mo. But there were more than you know. The thing about the car is that there were like two cars, allegedly, depending on the story. And you know, Hoffa gets into one of the cars, and you know, he was supposed to meet these guys at the restaurant, and there's a little more visibility there. So to go to a house, it's like naturally, he's often knows the deal. He's like, mm, I'm not going to go to a house. But then they put somebody, you know, friendly. He thinks is somebody he can trust in the car to like lure him in. So they think that that was Sheeran. I think Sheeran's role was there to put Jimmy Hoff at ease, help him say, okay, this is fine. I'll get in the car. Uh, allegedly, Jimmy's adopt stepson, Chucky O'Brien, was driving the other car that he borrowed from Tony Pro. I don't know. Something doesn't check out. I don't think they would leave witnesses like that unless. I don't think they would. I really don't. I think they would. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense. That doesn't check out. Yeah, they're That's... not good criminals. <laughs> they. <laughs> they don't care if they're. I don't know if they it's... all. They put. They do hits in, in full restaurants. <laughs> they don't care about witnesses. I don't know if it's that they're not good criminals. I think it's just the nature of crime, does not pay. <laughs> yeah, it catches up with you eventually, Andy. Mm, they're not good criminals. Okay. I don't know. I, I just don't think they would leave witnesses like that. But So if anything, I think maybe they put him in one car and then they put him in another or something and then drove him and then separated the cars. So what's he going to do if he's trapped in a car with two mafia guys? You're not going to leave. He knows what's up. Well, you know, if it's like with anybody in the mafia. It's like, you know, the cost if you squeak, if you rat. Yeah. You turn tail. And go to the feds. They they pull off hits all the time, and lots of people know about it. You know sure, what I mean? Sure. I don't know. Something's not sitting right with me, though. Hmm. Interesting. I I don't have a problem with it. I'll go on record saying I don't have. I don't think that it seems strange that they would have a car full of people and ask Jimmy to get into the car, and that that car drives somewhere. And then they kill him. What do you think they did with the body? They gave him a raspberry? Yeah. Down his little tummy? Till it dissolved. <laughs> they lifted up Jimmy Hoppe's shirt. Dozen mobsters went, <laughs> working round the clock in shifts for over three months, and they finally wore it down to nothing. Just blowing on it slowly. Um... I don't know. I don't think it makes a lot of sense to like to drive it to New Jersey. But there don't seem to be a lot of other good leads. Yeah. You know, it's like there's two stories that focus on New Jersey and one where he like drove it to Florida, fed it to alligators. Maybe they incinerated. I don't know. This is like a good one about what they did with the body. And it just kind of comes down to who do you believe the most? Um, You know, I don't know what people think about Dan Moldea, but he does a lot of research. You know, he interviews a lot of people. That's kind of what he thinks happened is that, you know, like Jimmy Hoffa went to the landfill 
But I don't know. The FBI searched. They didn't find anything in the 70s. Uh, there's been like EPA cleanups and stuff, and they cut down the acreage of the landfill since then. So I don't know. It just seems like if Jimmy Hoffa's body was there, I would kind of have expected it to already have been found. Yeah. So I don't know. I got no idea. Okay. Maybe it's buried on a farm. Some mobster with a farm. <laughs> From the makers of the Amish Mafia comes Mobster with a Farm. You ever watch Amish Mafia? <laughs> what a stupid fucking show. Oh, no, I've never watched it. I know what you're talking about now. Apparently there's an Amish Mafia, the Amish mob. If one of those guys got in with Levi, the- and he like, I, he's like, I, I enforce the rules that the Amish can't do because they can't handle equipment like modern day equipment so like if the amish have a problem with somebody they call this guy and he goes over with a fucking shotgun and blows up their horse-drawn carriage and shit it was on the history channel it's so fucking stupid (laughs) and it's so fucking planted explosives in their horse-drawn carriage so cheesy and there's so many like reenactments and like Oh no! Somebody took the screw out of my hitch. The horse is running away, <laughs> and now my buggy's speeding down this hill. Um, I don't know. Should we get to our verdicts, Andy? Is it time? Um, yeah, I think we could get to our verdicts, right? Okay. You ready for a verdict? I think so. Okay. Lay it on me. Uh. One second. Okay. I'll just go ahead then. Yeah, you go ahead. I'm thinking. Since you're thinking. Um, all right. So in the case of Jimmy Hoffa, um, what happened to Jimmy Hoffa? I think that he got whacked off by the mafia to death. So for the mob hit, I am giving this a Verdict of case confirmed. Whoa. I'm not leaving any wiggle room for this one. God damn, boy. Uh, I think the disposition of the body is another matter altogether. Um, And frankly, I don't know what to think. So I'm just going down and I'm going to give a blanket for every, every possible disposing of the body and just say plausible. Whoa. Because I don't know what it could be. It could be anything. Um, If I had to lean... I don't know. I guess I lean to like maybe plausible plus a little bit on the PJP landfill, but I'm just going to give them all plausible. I think it could be anything. I don't know. Wow. And I think it's going to be harder and harder to find out. A lot of these mob guys that were involved are dying. Yeah. Not many left. No. Crime doesn't pay. Crime does not pay, except when you have lots of money and a beautiful home, (laughs) a beautiful family, and- you go to jail for a little while, and then you come back and everything's fine. Yeah, or you're a uh, billionaire with a sex-trading private island. Oof. You know what I'm saying? I get it. Talking about Epstein. <laughs> yeah, I get it. You know what I'm saying? I get what you're saying. Okay. All right, it's my time. <laughs> uh, what am I going to say here, Andy? I'm going to say highly plausible that he was killed. Highly plausible. Yeah, by Whoa. and not by Sheeran. Okay, you don't buy Frank Sheeran's story by Tony, whatever Tony Jack, Tony Pro, Sally 
Bugs Bragulio. Sally Bugs Bagulgi. I agree with you. I don't think it was Frank Sheeran either. Yeah. I think Frank Sheeran's full of shit. I think that Frank Sheeran was a guy who saw the end coming, saw that he had enough connections that he could make plausible stories about his life and sell a book and make lots of money for his family, which is exactly what's happened. And he succeeded because now he made a fucking movie. Yeah. Now his, his name is forever immortalized. Yes. And his daughters reap the rewards. Oh, yeah. And good for them. I Their guess. dad did right by them, even if it's all his lies. <laughs> um, I think plausible plus plus. Plausible plus plus. Yeah, not a uh, verdict that comes out very often that he was chopped up and delivered to New Jersey. Giant Stadium or the PJP Landfill? Or some other location? I don't know. I got to give straight plausible. I can't okay. I can't give a verdict on that exact stuff. But plausible plus plus, you think he's in New Jersey. Plausible They probably the delivered location. his parts to different places or, you know. They had the Teamsters connection. They got the I trucks. I got to tell you, you're leaving a lot of wiggle room here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Plausible. But I'm getting plus. more specific than you. Okay. Fuck you, dude. I'm right. whacking you off. All right. Well, just whack me off in front of the listeners, why don't you? <laughs> they would like that. Listeners, if you want to see Art whack me off, they would tweet be. at us. <laughs> they better be fucking grateful to see content like that. Whacking each other off. Anyway, listeners, that was our verdicts on the disappearance of Jimmy Hoffa. Uh, let us know what you think. Did we get it wrong? Did we get it right? Tweet at us. Use the hashtag. Um, whacking off day. Whacking off day. <laughs> whacking off day. Let us know what you think. Tweet at us at Mr. Bunker Pod. Slide into our DMs on Instagram at Mr. Bunker Pod. Email us, mrbunkerpod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitch at Twitch. Mr. Bunker Pod and sub to our YouTube channel, which just... Uh, just just search for just, Mr. Bunker's yeah. Conspiracy Time Podcast. You'll, you'll find it. We you don't, can find uh, it. Yeah. You know how to Google things. You Google it. Google it. Uh, and thanks again to Stefan for standing in this topic. Stefan from Providence. God bless you. God bless you. Uh, Andy... We got a fun little segment. Oh, do we ever. We want to do a little make-believe. That's right. Um, Art, we heard so many good mobster nicknames today, oh, did we not? Boy, we heard We heard Tony Pro, Tony Jack, Johnny C, uh, Sally Bugs. We heard Crazy Joe. Uh, I'll throw out another one, Maddie the Horse. We heard Whispers. We, we've heard so many good nicknames. Yeah. Art. What would your monster nickname be? Andy, I got two for you. Okay. Much like a group photo, I've got a silly one. I got a serious one. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's start with the silly. Okay. Get those uh, nervous jitters out of the way before we do the serious one. I'm going to be called Fat Art Stonilo. <laughs> fat Art. Fat Art? Yeah, Fat Art. Why? Because it's a fun play on words. And something mobsters and wise guys love is wordplay, baby. <laughs> something they share. One of the many things they share in common with amateur comedians, the other being they're both dead inside and they love chicken parmesan. <laughs> yeah. But the play is that I'm naturally thin. Yeah. But I have a lot of money from my mob stuff. So I'm fat with cash. I'm yeah. fat art. Okay. 
Also, my real name is Angelo, but people call me Fat Art. I got the name because as a mob boss, I'm always fucking eating. All right. Like anytime I'm doing business, I'm scarfing down chicken parmesan, <laughs> chicken piccata, chicken Vesuvio, and spaghetti, and the pasta, and the cannolis. And everyone's like, where the fuck is this guy putting You're always away? Always eating bread and chicken. Always <laughs> eating bread and chicken. Where the fuck is this guy putting away the food? He should be fat as fuck. But as a mob boss, you gotta keep people guessing. Even my consigliere doesn't know. Where's he putting the food? You bulking up again? I'm bulking. <laughs> but I'm also frugal as fuck with my money. So I'm fat with cash. It helps my rival bosses not hunt me down either. Because they think they're looking for some fat fuck. But I'm a skinny dude. <laughs> so they don't know the lore of fat art. They don't know the lore. That's how I keep them guessing. <laughs> Let me hit you with a serious one. Okay, yeah, let's hear the serious one. My name is Angelo Lucky Cornicello. Oh, because you love Britney Spears. <laughs> That's right. I'm a huge fan of Britney Spears. I get it. No. Well, this has been a fun episode. <laughs> Here's a little bit of art lore. Oh. Real art lore. Okay. I was originally going to be named Angelo. Right. That was originally going to be my real name. Mm -hmm. uh, that is my grandfather's actual name before they changed it at Ellis Island to Arthur. Yeah. But then my parents... You know, not wanting me to grow up with a weird name for fear of me turning out into a fucking freak went with Arthur. A clearly, as well. fa wasted, fears, wasted fears effort. that were founded. They could have just named you Angelo. Wasted effort. It on clearly their part. didn't have any impact. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Andy, a are you familiar with what a cornicello is? Uh, no, or a cornicello. I don't. I'm probably cornicello is probably a cornicello. Is it an instrument or is it some kind of a pickle? A cornicello is an Italian talisman that protects against the evil eye and other bad luck. Okay. It is typically, it looks like a, uh, it's like a wavy horn. Okay. And sometimes it has like a crown on top or uh, I remember them as red chili peppers with a crown on top. Ooh, spicy. They also kind of look like sperm because historically they were believed to promote fertility. Oh. Look at it. It's C-O-R-N-I-C-E-L-L-O. Oh, I see it. I'm looking at you it. You ever seen one of those before? Mm. No, I don't think I've ever seen one. These fucking things were all over my grandparents' house. Everywhere. And they were in every car. Or if someone had a charm bracelet, they had a cornicello. Or if, you know, a necklace, there was a cornicello. They were everywhere. Cornicello means little horn or yeah. hornlet. Mm -hmm. These things are everywhere. And if you grew up in an Italian-American household, you probably know what I'm talking about. Corno porta fortuna. That's right. Lucky horn. That's right. So I am called Angelo Lucky Cornicello because the only way I can think that I would fall into the mob life is by accident and by uh, being good at the sheer luck of it. Wow. Like I'm thinking that as a boss, I pull off a hit on a mob rival or I, I request a hit, but they end up dying from natural causes. And all the other mob bosses think it was because of my hit, but it wasn't. And slowly but surely, I rise through the ranks and control more and more territory in my Cosa Nostra from sheer luck. Okay, like I miss a hit. Uh, a hit is missed on me because I decide one day to stay home and play video games instead of going to mob do my mob work. Right, right. And the bomb that they planted in my car doesn't get me because you you're afraid of driving. Because because I because I, I don't remember how to drive. Yeah, right. You forgot how to drive. I haven't driven a car in six years. <laughs> so they call me Lucky Cornicello. Wow. What do you think? Yeah. Pretty good name, huh? Pretty good name. Uh, let's see. Do I like Fat Art or Lucky better? <laughs> Uh, I like fat art. <laughs> He's more fun. Yeah. He's always eating. <laughs> He's always eating. I mean, Lucky's fine, but fat art, you know, eating so much bread and chicken dishes <laughs> with pasta. 
<laughs> and he's fat with cash. Fat with cash. Now, what about you, Andy? Did you come up with a little mobster? Uh, yeah, I'd be the pig. <laughs> Andy the pig. Uh, uh, of course you would. Vermicelli. <laughs> Vermicelli! Vermicelli! <laughs> what a classic Italian name, Vermicelli. Vermicelli. Uh, Andy the pig uh, bolognese. <laughs> Andy the pig ragu. My Andy the Andy Andy the pig barilla jarred pasta sauce. Andy the pig chef boyardee. <laughs> Andy the pig boyardee. Uh, I would be the pig because I am a sloppy fat fuck. <laughs> and everyone would be like, "Oh, look at this pig piggish person." Oh, what the fuck? But maybe they would call me the pig man. <laughs> the piggish, the piggish man. Listeners. I'm not doing any of this, okay? This is all him. <laughs> the piggish man. Okay, you're the pig man. The pig man. <laughs> That'd be <laughs> someday Martin Scorsese will make a fucking film about you called The Pig Man. They'll call me The Pig Man because I'm a fat fucking slob. Uh, always shoving food in my fat face. Hey, you sound like Fat Art Stonelli. Well, hold on. Uh, but also, I'm, you know, like you said, I'm more of the cerebral mafia guy. Right. So I'm always rooting out good opportunities. I'm finding those truffles in the dank, dark forest of the mafia. Finding good opportunities for my family. My crime family. Yeah. Not your real family. Not my real family. You keep them out of the business. They're out of the business. When I inevitably get shot because I'm an easy target because I'm fat, I'm obvious, I'm obnoxious. People notify me. Even if I run serpentine, I don't get that much different from the central point. So firing bullets is just fine. You could hit me easily. So when I eventually die in a hail of gunfire, I don't want them to be. They'll find out what restaurant is doing a uh, clam linguine special and they'll go find you there. They'll just, the setup will be all you can eat, anything, and I'll be there. Christ. The pig man. The pig man. Wow. Listeners, my cheeks hurt. My oh. cheeks hurt from my dental surgery and <laughs> from laughing. Uh listeners, let us know. Those were our mob mob names. What are your mob names? Um, Use the hashtag uh Um I got one. Go. Mob HR. <laughs> Mob HR. <laughs> I don't know. I can't think of anything. Mob HR. Yep, just do it. And let us know what your mafia name is. And yeah. hey, maybe it's, uh, if we like it enough and we remember, we'll read it on air. Yeah, send us some good ones. and Maybe we'll tell everybody else. At the very least, we'll probably retweet it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. There'll be something. Uh, Andy, do you have anything else you'd like to say about the disappearance of Jimmy Hoffa? Oh, boy. What do I have to say about Jimmy Hoffa? Um, I got to say one thing about this art. Uh, I was a little disappointed in this research in that I was expecting some kind of alien abduction angle, and nobody's really putting that forward. So I'm going to propose right now my alternative hypothesis to the Jimmy Hoffa disappearance is that while Jimmy Hoffa was waiting on Tony Pro and Tony Jack, uh, who were delayed because they got in a car accident, uh, a minor fender bender, but it put him behind schedule, Jimmy Hoffa was abducted by aliens from the Maccus Red Fox parking lot oh and taken to a galaxy far, far away to study his body. 
And someday those extraterrestrials will return with an army of Jimmy Hoffas. And they'll be robots. They'll have lasers in their eyes. And they'll speak for the working man. But they'll also murder us all. <laughs> well, thank you, Andy Childress Hart. Uh, it's some kind of extraterrestrial theory. <laughs> wow. Uh, wow. You heard it here first, folks. The first ever and only alien abduction theory involving Jimmy Hava. Let us know where it rates on your personal scale of plausibility. That's right. Get at us. Wow. A uh, lot, of, lot of crazy stuff going on this episode. Anyway, we got to wrap things up. <laughs> we got to wrap, go get... wrap it up like leftover chicken parm. <laughs> That's right. We're going to go get whacked off. Yeah. <laughs> we both got to go home to get whacked off. That's right. Um, for the titular Mr. Bunker and for my synonymous co-host. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like Andy the Pigman Hart. Uh, I'm Arthur Stone saying that. Was the whole enchilada? You be. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the facts from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.